So welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of Random Encounter. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Uh, we got a small crew today, Derek. <clears throat> Maybe he'll show up later. Uh, so we have the man with many titles. Uh, this is John McCarroll, Keeper X on our forums. Um, we're with Senior Reviews Editor today. I'm running out <laughs> of titles. I'm, I'm going to old ones. Good, good. And John has been playing a game uh, <clears throat> for review that's coming out on Tuesday, and <clears throat> I really hate him. So just throwing that one out there. Yeah, which we're, we won't be talking about. Well, here's the thing. Theoretically, we could talk about it today. Yeah, we'll but keep, we'll keep we'll keep it brief. Yeah, we, because we, this will be up by the time my embargo is up. Yeah, well, we can maybe say a few words on it. And then, of course, the man from Japan. Uh, Stephen Myron, Taylor's on the board. See, what are we? Are we gonna? Is he always gonna be the man from Japan? Because isn't Zach going to Japan? He'll be the original man from Japan. Okay. I'm now the, I'm now the man from Japan who's also in South Carolina. Oh, can, can you pull off a Japanese Southern accent? Like a Southern Japanese accent? No, or? let's no, let's not do this. This this has bad news written all over this it. Does so, have bad news written all over it. We have lots of games to talk about, uh, and then we have a short news section because our newsman is MIA. So why don't we start off with why don't we start off with Stephen? Stephen, you tell us about some of the games that you've been playing. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll talk about reading Historia last because we'll all talk about that. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, I've been playing – I finished uh, The Silver Lining, which is the, the King's Quest fan sequel. Uh, episode 3 came out uh, the end of last month, and I finished it, and it is without a doubt the best episode yet. Uh, the first one uh, got a lot of like heat for basically just being a really long prologue with like two puzzles, um, and they were really easy. The second one was kind of – it was a little bit better. It had you know some puzzles, but they were still pretty easy um, and a lot of setup for the plot. Uh, episode three of the Silver Lining is basically a classic Sierra point-and-click adventure game. Um, I mean, I, I played it without a walkthrough because that's how I played those old games, and I was trying to recreate that magical feeling, I guess. And the puzzles are awesome. Uh, they're well-designed. None of them are really ridiculous, except, you know, when you're on the, the ridiculous island where puzzle solutions are supposed to be ridiculous. Um, is that actually, like, the story? It, it, the puzzle it's, solutions it's called, are supposed to be ridiculous? It's called the Isle of Wonder, and it's all this really crazy nonsense going on. Like, you get an actual hole in the wall, and it's, like, a little person who is a hole with eyes. And uh, you get, like, a teacup with legs, and, you know, he gets mad at you when you boil water in him. Okay. So, it's, it's like a trip? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty wacky. Like, there's iceberg lettuce, and it's actually made of ice. The rotten tomato is a cantankerous old bastard. You know, that sort of thing. Um, it's LSD, the game. <laughs> yeah, but that's just one island. The other islands, like, you know, they're all based on mythology. Like, there's an island with winged people. There's an island with a beast. There's, like, an island with druids. And uh, just the puzzles are so well designed. And it's just, it's a very, uh, not a whole lot happens in the plot, um, which is, if you've played those classic Sierra games, the plot isn't really why you're playing it. You're playing it just to hear the interaction and, you know, to explore and solve some sweet puzzles. And that's it has tons of them and throughout the game it's you know they're inventory puzzles like you know you combine these inventory items and you you know have them to do this or that and then at the very end there's just this absolute insane puzzle where you have to like map out the zodiac and it's it took longer than every other puzzle in the game i mean for me anyway did, i'm sure people did who it really include good. the ophiuchus no it didn't the what never mind you, you <laughs> lost me you absolutely lost me. But yeah, it's 
if you have any interest at all in point and click adventure games, episode it's worth playing through episode one and two. They'll take you maybe four hours total to get to this one where I got about seven hours out of this one. And just it's a really great at this point, classic turn based point and click game. Um, the graphics aren't amazing, but considering a bunch of dudes did it for fun, um, it's a pretty big achievement. And the music is awesome. And which oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, so you have these dudes who are making a free King's Quest. What do you think about the dudes who are now making a not free new King's Quest? Well, he hates I, them. See, I would if. Whether or not it was costed money or not, I would have bought the Silver Lining just because I'm such a big fan of the series. And I do think it's worth the money. Um, episode 1 and 2 would be a little less, you know, I wouldn't be as forgiving on them if they weren't free. Um, there's going to be five episodes. And the, the length is really great. And just considering that it's free is great. And even if it did cost money, episode 3 would still be worthwhile because it's just, it's really solidly done. The puzzles are fun. Um, I don't know what I think of the Telltale remakes because... Back to the Future is a lot of fun, but it's ridiculously stupid, insultingly easy. I mean, you could Back to the Future is basically, uh, you know, a guided tour through the Back to the Future world. It's it's a lot of fun, and you know, it made me laugh, and the writing is good. But it's not challenging in the way that like those classic point and click adventure games are, like Sierra ones. But did you well, actually? Did... En- hold on a second. Did you actually enjoy that sort of challenge though? That just meandering around we've talked a lot about adventure games lately on the show and i I for one do not like meandering around and trying to figure out which you know square hole goes in which (laughs) you know circular peg i mean it just doesn't work and yes i know how obtuse that sounded (laughs) obtuse but probably in some game somewhere yes one thing that i don't understand like i don't get with king's quest is like how there are spots where like you cannot click on something and congratulations, you just lost the ability to finish the game. That, like, that's, that is something that a lot of people complain about. Because like, back in the day, there was the LucasArts adventure games like Grim Fandango, Day of the Tentacle and stuff. And then there was King's Quest, Police Quest. And, Space Quest. Yeah, Space Quest, which was hilarious. And, um, you know, some people really don't like that. And I don't think the Telltale game that comes out now will have that. Because it is frustrating. For me, it's tough because I was so young when I played it. It was like all I did. I mean, I you know, I went to kindergarten or first grade, and then I came back and played it. So no, I no, I hear you, and I think there's also a, a big difference. I remember being you know five and playing Mega Man Two, and those were good days. Yeah, those Mega Man days. Two is like I play it now, and it's one of the most obscenely difficult games <laughs> I have ever played. And I go, how did I sit there for like? hours on end and play this when I was five. You didn't know any better. You know what I didn't remember? I played Mega Man 9 and 10. I did remember the original Mega Mans. You were so damn slippery. <laughs> Quiet, Rob. <laughs> but, I mean, really, you land on stuff and Mega Man's like, whoops, slide off and I'm dead. Yeah, well, I didn't remember that. That's annoying. Well, deal with it. No, I, I think in our youth, we, we put up with a lot of crap. Like, there, like we, we've talked before about save states and games and games that don't auto-save or just stupid crap in video games that we – you look back on it, you're like, why did we ever put up with that? No, I hear you. I hear you. We didn't um, know any better. Yeah, we didn't know any better. Like, our our I, eyes are open now. But I, even I, then, I, I don't think necessarily that makes them bad. It was just at that point in time – it wasn't an expected feature. And, and right. here's the thing. I also think that there's an aspect of it of, of both experience and age. Um, 
a lot of people loved Resonance of Fate. And I'm a big fan of Tri-Ace games. You know, I played Star Ocean 2 for untold number of hours. And I played Resonance of Fate, and I thought, you know what? This is honestly just obtuse, and it's too complicated. And I don't know if it's that it really is more complicated than other Tri-Ace games, that, or that, that I am now not a part of the Tri-Ace market. I, I agree. I played that, and every, I kept hearing how good it was. And I played it, and I was having fun, but then I was like, I feel like I'm missing half of this game by ignoring, you know, all those weird little, like, wrinkles to the combat and to upgrading, and I just didn't have the patience for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what else have you been playing, Steven? Um, well, I've also uh, a lot of King's Quest. Uh, AGD Interactive just released uh, – they've released remakes of King's Quest 1 and 2. Um, and they just released now – this is the second remake from a new company uh, of King's Quest 3, which brings them up to the graphical standard of, like, the mid-series games, like King's Quest 5 and 6, um, which are the ones most people probably remember. Um, it's also excellent. Um, it's free. It's it's a fan game. Um, but the thing you might not expect is they have, you know, a great composer doing the music. They have actual professional quality voice acting to the point where which – the actor who played certain characters in the classic King's Quest games still plays him in these remakes. Oh, that's cool. Uh, nice. They went and got him. And, I mean, Robbie Benson, who played uh, the character Alexander in King's Quest Six, he played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, the Disney movie. And, I mean, he's a pretty prolific actor. Um, they actually got in touch with him to um, get him to voice his character in this game. I mean, he couldn't because, you know, he's a huge actor and he wanted money or something. I, I don't know the exact <laughs> details, but... Yeah, he wanted to um, be paid for he, his he work. He wanted to be paid? Wow. <laughs> wow, what a jerk. Yeah, what a jerk. But Look what you did, you little jerk. Ah, but, see if Zach gets that reference when he's <laughs> doing what this. what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> I don't get that reference. Dude, Home Alone. Oh, it's Glad been, we said that it, at the same it, time. Now I can't say been, I knew it. It's been two decades since I've seen that, so. What is wrong with you? <laughs> little jerk. I don't watch movies. If my uncle called like, me a jerk, I'd be very upset. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, just just to give you guys an idea of the kind of production that goes into this remake, I mean, it's profe- it's a professional level. I mean, this is as good as any of the classic adventure games were. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it's – for the most part, it's like a kind of a one-to-one recreation because the original game used that text parser interface where you had to type like open door, talk wizard, that sort of thing. <laughs> don't um, die. This, yeah, don't die. And then, you know, you had to use the arrow keys to, you know, wander down ridiculously complex paths that would get you slaughtered if you fell off of them. Um, this one now just uses the point and click interface. There's no typing. Um, but again, it's basically just as good as the previous one. This particular company has worked sort of a new plot line into their remakes of the first three. Um, and this sort of, I think I haven't finished it yet, but it, um, it continues with this sort of un- the backstory that they've been working into the series themselves, which is kind of cool that they're adding their own touch to the series. Um, but I mean, if again, it's free. You should be play- if you like point and click games. They're both free. You should be playing both of them. Um, yeah, cool. So I, I want to make a quick aside because Stephen mentioned great soundtracks. Um, nothing to do with RPGs at all, but Beyond Good and Evil HD is out for Xbox Live Arcade. Um, buy it if you want a second one. If you've never played it, it's ten dollars. It's one of the most amazing Zelda clones out there. Um, I, you convinced me to buy it. 
and I will support that. It's really awesome. I had never played it before, but everyone told me it was great. Yeah, I picked it up for my PS2, and I, I've just never put it in. I, I know, I know. I still have to beat Okami. I still have to beat that game, and I have to play it all over again because my PS3 died. Yeah, it's it's Beyond Good and Evil is actually much shorter than Okami. Okami is something like forty hours long. Yeah, Okami is too long for its own good. Like I I kept feeling like that game was going to end after like the first fifteen hours, and it just kind of kept going. But Beyond Good and Evil has an obscenely good soundtrack, and I'm not a soundtrack guy. Like I've talked to you guys about this before, but the music in that game is fantastic. Cool, 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 cool. So, uh, so do we want to move on to John's menagerie of games? Menagerie. 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 Well, menagerie. So, Talk about old menagerie. stuff. Talk about old, overrated stuff. Okay, so people Start had mentioned <laughs> that they, they wanted us to kind of give overviews on PS1 classics, and I have played just about all the recent PS1 classics that have been released. So I'm looking at Xenogears. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Rob. Did you want to say something? Uh, Xenogears is one of those games that I I loved it for about the first disc. Then I got to that sewer section, wanted to kill myself, got to the second disc where they ran out of money, and then finished the game and thought, what the hell just happened? I'm not um, going to lie. I liked it better on disc two. I know, because you didn't like around. the combat. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't like the game at all. I just liked the music and the story. And I was glad that I didn't have to play it anymore. I could just sit there, fight the battles, and go on. Now, I... I have never played Xenogears before. Oh, you are in for a treat. <laughs> now, I'm only like half an hour in. <laughs> this game is obscenely slow. Yes, yes, it is. And that is my number one pet peeve. I was talking to Rob about my, my playthrough of, and this will be, a, I'm playing Dragon Age 2 for review. And I don't even wait to listen for the voice actors. I put on subtitles. As soon as I'm done reading what's going on, I hit the X button, skip to the next thing. I This game is driving me crazy. Like, I have no <laughs> desire to play more of it because it is so obscenely slow. Uh, do you want me to tell you that the glacier slows down even more? <laughs> I cannot remember half of that game. I, I, no, probably three quarters I cannot remember. I remember the overall arc of the story but i How? don't remember i don't remember any single instance in the game i think i i um, remember like i think i was on a train at one point i remember going into a church with billy lee whatever the hell his name was Billy Lee black yeah billy lee black who just sounds like the lead singer of some emo band don't, uh, forget, don't forget the part with the sewers and the part where soylent green is people soylent green is people uh it was just such a you could not make that game today. You really couldn't. I mean, it, it's well, something. Well, they did. It was Xenosaga. No, it hey, wasn't. Xenosaga uh, was its own beast. Xenosaga, uh, just to, as a quick side, I loved the look of the of Xenosaga 1. I, I think we said this on one of the first podcasts we ever did. I loved that clean, uh, sci-fi very white, very bright. I really liked the look of that game. It was just everything else that I hated about it. But that game had such a cool-looking universe. I I don't know what it was about that game, but from the opening section to the very end of that game, I just thought it was beautiful. Just absolutely gorgeous. And Xenogears looks like crap. It's, <laughs> Not just it because it's on PS1. Yeah, no, the, well, here, we'll take that. So Xenogears looks like ass. It does. It does. It looks Even now, when I... 
I played it back on a PS2. Like, it wasn't in its prime, but I played it relatively soon, you know, when it was out. That game and I is, still thought it looked horrendous. Like, that game is whenever it, fugly. The, the sprite scaling is terrible. The camera angles are terrible. We're going to get yelled at for bashing this game. Uh, well, no, he, 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 here's the thing. I think that I – oh, Rob, take a shot. Uh, yep. Uh, dude, I've already <laughs> taken three. Uh, whatever. <laughs> um, we, we, made, we made a comment that uh, John says, here's the thing a lot. He also says, I hear you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. For the I listeners. Know. For the listeners. All right, look, I play. hear you. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. For the listeners who are of age, here's what I want you to do for the rest of this podcast. Every time John says, here's the thing – or I hear you. I want you to take a shot. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't want you to end up in the hospital. So when you start feeling a little dizzy, go down for the count. Okay, I don't even remember where I was now. Xenogears, what were we, were we talking, talking about? about? I said that we were going to get yelled at for talking so much crap oh, about it. Yes. I think I think that Xenogears, at the time of its release, was a landmark game. Much like Final Fantasy VII... I don't think that it's worth going back and playing it today. Landmark game, quality then, crap now. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to, I'm going to argue this one. A no, okay. I, I, I don't think it's crap. I think it still has value for people that love it. I just think it is aged very no, poorly because even yes. when it came out, it was pretty rough. So we'll, we'll say this. For new players, is crap. Like, I I see no reason, and this game is giving me no reason to continue to play it. Like see, I spent I spent ten dollars on it, and I still don't want to play it. See, the thing <laughs> is though, even when it first came out, I and I'm not gonna lie, I had to slog through the beginning because I kept hearing how great the story was, and the writing isn't great just because the translation's kind of wonky. But the story is very engaging. It just takes forever to get started, but when it does, it's really interesting. And I that that. Like I said, that's the only thing that carried me through that game. I hated the combat. I didn't like the graphics. You know, literally the second half of the game, John, you're, it, it's a black background. Your character sits down in a chair and explains what happens for the rest of the story to you. And then it'll yeah, drop no, you that, into a boss battle. But it that, can, <laughs> Go ahead. Complete it, John. Complete it. That makes me want to play it even less. But see, <laughs> no, but here's the thing. If you guys see the beauty in this game, this game is the recreation of Evangelion. It's the exact same thing. This ultra-ambitious mecha-type anime... That talks that about the origins of everything. Talks about the origins of God, the, the beginning of creation, blah, 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 blah. And then they ran out of funding in the last half, and they had, <laughs> and they had to say, screw it. If you watch Evangelion now, and you see the long pauses, the shoddy animation, the non-ending, and now they're going back and they're trying to fix it... That is Xenogears. And they're doing a good job of it. Yes, they're doing a very good job of it, but that's Xenogears. Like, Xenogears and Evangelion, it's almost spooky. The only thing it's is, though... It's almost spooky. You have to say, though, Xenogears has a definitive ending. Like, it has a very, very long... It, the ending is like an hour long, I think. I can't yeah, remember. well, it has a very definitive ending, and then it says, end of episode five, and everybody flips out and goes, <laughs> oh my god, there's like, more Xenogears! They're like, What? Yeah, and then they tried to make the rest of it, and that failed. And then nobody bought it, and it was that. Yeah. All so, right, so, so what else I, have you I, been playing? I was intending to make this seg like five minutes ago, <laughs> but so Xenogears is ugly and doesn't hold up well graphically. 
Correct. Vagrant Story is beautiful. Yes. I thought this game was ugly when I played it the first time a decade ago. I go, I boot it up on the PS1, and aside from Chrono Cross, it is the best-looking PS1 game. And it, like, you you look at some PS1 games or some SNES games, and they're sprite-based, and that's cool. But Xenogears has bad sprites. But this game has good polygonal art, and because it's, it's the simplistic character designs... It works really well. Yep, and the art design in that game is just awesome. Like the tech, and I know it seems like a little thing, but like the text bubbles, the font, everything just looks cool in that game. Well, and, yeah. and also they do some of the most adult cinematography I ever saw in a game where they do really cool tricks where they'll pan the camera around and then like a ghost will come up behind somebody. They, they do just brilliant cinematic direction. When one of the characters is killed, I won't say who because if, if it's available now, definitely pick it up to the listeners. Yeah, only only $6 as well. It's less expensive than Xenogears. Yeah, definitely worth it. And there's scenes where like characters are killed and just the way that it's handled subtly and on just cinematically i mean it it blows away metal gear solid at times and i still think the original metal gear solid is one of the best directed games in terms of camera placement and what's going on and i I, well i think the other thing that makes metal gear solid so awesome is the obfuscation by not having real character faces so that you empathize more with the voices i david Hayter's voice has never sounded right ever since solid snake had a face it's never sounded right to me. It's always sounded wrong just because I didn't – like back when in the original Metal Gear when his face was literally just like gray squares, and I thought that that worked better. See, I'm, I I'm sorry. That was a weird tangent. That was a weird no, tangent. I, was just, I actually want to comment on that. I actually – I always associated the voices with like the, the drawn faces, like that really yeah. popular art style. Yeah. I always saw Snake as that guy. You know, They have kind of the really flowing hair. Like every character has like flowing hair and like, like billowing clothes I guess. And yep. I always thought Snake looked like that, and the later look was a lot like cleaner and, you know. Well, yeah, I mean it's, it's all in the technology. That's one of the reasons why uh, – w- was it Metal Gear Solid 2 that was originally going to have uh, comic book art styling? I think so. In the document of Metal Gear Solid 2, they, they actually have the characters as 3D models with cell shading to try to make them look more like the comic book, but they decided like, not to. You mean like what they did with Metal Gear Acid? Kind of, but darker. Darker and sketchier. Uh, uh, sorry, we're, we're, we went. Yeah, we're off tangent. These aren't RPGs. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. So, well, you could kind of argue that in Metal Gear, you upgrade your grip. Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, sorry. No, so, uh, <laughs> Dragon Story, this is another game that I didn't spend a whole lot of time with when it first got released. What was that? Steven, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, another game that I didn't spend a whole lot of time with in the PS1 era. Um, the, I'm not particularly far. I'm like an hour and a half in. I've been playing Dragon Age for review instead. Um, the combat system seems interesting. Um, does it get more complicated, guys? Uh, a little bit. You start to get magic, which actually becomes very important. If you haven't already learned, uh, you have this thing that builds up with every attack. For the listeners that don't know, what you have in this game is you have timed attacks, and you can basically keep on doing attacks as long as you time them correctly. The windows get smaller and smaller, but you can get upwards of 30 or 40 attacks in a row. For every attack that you do, though, your risk meter increases. And when your risk meter completely maxes out, 
you can be killed in one shot. It means that criticals go up. The critical rate in the game like skyrockets and you and the enemies can hit each other a lot harder. So what you really want to do with the game I think is you really only want to do about 10 hits in a row because then it exponentially starts to increase uh, the detrimental effect to the risk gauge. But overall, the combat really doesn't expand too much. You'll get new abilities that you can put like different status effects on enemies, but the combat really doesn't go anywhere else the real heart of that game is to find an item to make that item a god item so that you can basically punch anything out in the game in one shot i actually have a question i have never beaten it i i played it i tried to play it four or five times i bought it way back in the day and i kept getting to a certain boss i think it was a phantom yeah and that, i would get there true. and suddenly i did zero damage to everything and i could not get further in the game and i've never gotten past it that guy I, that guy only has 20 hit points he only has 20 or 30 hit points but you have to get a chain of like 10 before you start doing damage to him okay yep yep because like i was I, I i sat there for a good you know several hours trying to like figure out if i had to grind my stats or something like with the because the weapons have a ridiculous number of stats yeah yeah and i, I wasn't sure what to do and I'm actually probably going to pick it up and play it because I've, I've always wanted to see the you know the way the story plays out. But I actually had a really close friend of mine. She explained uh, most of Vagrant's story to me. Uh, it, this was back when we were in high school together, and she she really explained the game in detail. And I was able to go back and pick it up and really play through it. But it is a very obtuse game. It it is the calculus of RPGs, just in terms of just how many stats you have on a weapon, all these different things that you can do to it. But it is very satisfying. The story is absolutely tremendous. That game needs a sequel. I think we, I think I wrote about it in our, uh, our RPGs that need a sequel. That game, the ending is so perfect for a sequel. And they've never gone anywhere with it, and I need to see another game in that series. But they, Hopefully the PS1 Classic sells well. I really hope so, but no. But then I, I said it in that in that article. Yeah, but then we would just have Ashley Riot showing up on a motorcycle with a leather jacket and zippers, and he would just be exuding ennui and just wouldn't care. <laughs> That's what we would get from Square Enix these days. I'm not gonna lie, that whole Evil East Alliance thing, tactics what? is awesome, and Vagrant Story is awesome. They need to make a good sequel, like a game that is like universally enjoyed. Uh, okay, th- here's the thing. She takes a shot. Um, <laughs> take a shot, Mr. Gilmore. One. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2. Advance 1 was, was fun, but I, I don't think that you're going to get a game that is as heralded by RPG fans anymore uh, because companies are trying to make things more and more accessible. I know a lot of people um, like Rob are complaining because Dragon Age 2 is supposedly more accessible and more mass effective. I, 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 I actually think I was a staunch defender on the Dragon Age demo episode. So glad that you I'll, listened, John. All I heard yeah. was you complaining. I don't know. I, I heard you just complaining the, nonstop. Who, who said I listened to our podcast if I'm not on it? Wow, way to be a supportive <laughs> jerk. Oh, by the way, I don't listen to our podcast I, even when I'm on it. I love how my brother-in-law has never even listened to this show. My brother-in-law, avid avid gamer, has never listened to this show. Tom, if you are listening right now, I hate you. Way to be supportive of your brother-in-law. Now he's, now he's really going to listen. You hate him. <laughs> he's well aware. We had an hour-long debate on Inception the other night. Uh, are you a hater? I'm, I'm a lover. He's, he's a semi-hater. All right, well, we're on the same but, side then. Yes. Okay, okay. keep going. So, 
And I, you know what? I'm going to catch flack for that because I do like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance too. I like that kind of mission-based style, and I like the fact that it can be played for for short bits. Now, some people are going to argue that that the original Tactics is significantly deeper and has a a much more complex story, which it does. I am not arguing that that he's arguing it. No, I'm not arguing that Tactics Advance 2 is better than Tactics because that's that's dumb. That's absurd. But I'm saying that the sequels that have been put out there are not, you know, this anathema that people claim that they are. No, no. I, I just want to see a more adult story. When I read the first uh, story outline for uh, Tactics Advance, I, you know, magical kids that read this book called Final Fantasy, I that immediately shut it me down. One of, yeah, like that's the thing is I have no problem with the gameplay. I think it's great. It's just so. Rob. Why can't we get a story that – it's not even that Tactics 1 was mature. It's just that it was a really cool medieval war political thing going on, and then it had you know supernatural nonsense too. But So, Rob, um, you need to play the game that I'm going to talk about after the PS1 classics. Which is I'm- – I'm just going to say that. We'll, we'll find out later. Oh, oh ooh, ooh. ooh. If you say Radiant Historia, I already beat you to it. Okay, keep going, yeah. keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, so uh, next two. Uh, these are probably less known. This, which is is the, fr- this is the podcast where you will just hear John talk a whole lot. Yeah, pretty much. From Mission <laughs> 3, um, solid strategy RPG. Honestly, I can't complain about it. It's... Yeah, it hasn't aged very well. You have stuff like the Link system in Front Mission Four and Five. Um, I loved Front Mission Three. I, I yeah, no, it. It, it. I like the branching story. It's still got decent yep. writing. Graphically, real, real quick though, I hate. There's two things that I hate in branching stories. One where they branch in the first five minutes based on a completely arbitrary situation, like whether or not you go to a mall, a la Front (laughs) Mission 3, where it's like, if you go to the mall, suddenly you're fighting with the Asian forces. If you don't go to the mall, suddenly you're fighting with the Americans. It's like, really? Uh, All right. Uh, And then a game where uh, something like Fallout 3, where the whole ending changes based off your final decision in the last 30 seconds of the game. And that's how they say that it has multiple endings. I still think, and I brought up the game already once, the fact that Metal Gear Solid has its branching storyline halfway through the game, I love that. I love that. There's a big branch about halfway through Dragon Age. Oh, cool. Cool. I'm excited then. You you have just uh, made me even more upset that I'm not playing it right now. Thank you. <laughs> Metal Gear has a big branch halfway through what? Are are you kidding right now? What? Whether we're not talking. Okay. No, no, wait, wait. Whether or not you submit on the table during the torture. Oh. Stuff, that's whether or not Meryl likes about that. Yeah. 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 Okay, Metal Gear Solid, you, not an RPG. Yes, it is. Right. You have you have lives. You play playing, the role of Solid Snake. You're playing okay, the role, I'll, John. And there's lots I'm of dialogue. Going, I'm going to punch you both. Um, <laughs> so last one, and probably the most disappointing is Sayuki. I have um, I've heard Sayuki, Sayuki Journey West is oh yeah an old strategy RPG based on the same story that Dragon Ball Z is based on of Journey to the West. Got Dragon Dragon. Where you've got the monkey guy Goku and the the monk that controls him, which I don't know if there's a monk in Dragon Ball Z, but whatever. Um, Roshi. <laughs> what it comes down to is <laughs> that Sayuki has aged easily the worst out of all these four games, even more than Xenogears. Yeah. It is an absolutely generic strategy RPG with bad writing and nothing interesting going on. 
can we give this to Steven to review? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. All right. Really, really disappointed with it because it was it was a game that I was actually excited to play again because it was one that I never played back in the day. And especially, you know, you consider that at Sayuki, when was Sayuki released? I think it was released in my... As we hear the clickety-clack. <laughs> yes, say. Okay, Sayuki Journey West was released uh, in Japan in 1999. Wow. When was and Vagrant Story? 2000? 2000. 2000, okay. And you have Final Fantasy Tactics, which was released in Japan in 97, and Sayuki's not even as good as Final Fantasy Tactics by a long shot. Well, in Sayuki's defense, nothing is as good as Final Fantasy Tactics by a long shot. Yeah, so. you could literally write a three-week okay. correspondence course on Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay, it's not even as good as Front Mission 3. Okay, no, that, that's harsh. I, I really did like Front Mission. No, I, I, no, I like Front Mission 3, well, too. Front, I'm not Front, Mission, that. Front Mission 3 came out like the exact time that Gundam Wing came out on uh, Cartoon Network. So I made sure that like each – I was such a freaking nerd that I made sure that each one of my Vonsers looked like one of the Gundams. <laughs> wow. I was that nerdy, guys. I was that nerdy. Okay. So now, yeah. now that Rob has, has talked about his nerd cred – Is it a wonder want- that I'm single? <laughs> Not really. I'll go on to the last game that I've been playing. But you do have a rad computer. That is true. <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, that's that's way better than you, a woman. You can get women on the internet. I know, exa- <laughs> exactly, and I can mute them. <laughs> okay, that, wow. that was awful. I'm not going to participate in this conversation anymore. I apologize. Uh, Tactics Ogre. Uh, let us cling together. I really need a PSP. <laughs> I thought you had one. I don't. I do not have a PSP, and it is breaking my heart because I really I have wanted to play this game ever since I saw it in an issue of Game Fan way back in the wow. day. I I am going to go out on a limb and say that thus far, I enjoy Tactics Ogre more than I like Final Fantasy Tactics. <gasps> I actually I. I'm one of those people that's been saying since Tactics came, Final Fantasy Tactics came out that nothing has ever been as good as it and that every strategy RPG is you know, just attempting to be up to that level. I'm having a blast with Tactics Ogre. But, no, here's the thing. Final Fantasy Tactics was trying to be Tactics Ogre because Tactics so, Ogre came out first. See, that's what's funny now, but now everyone's comparing Tactics Ogre to Final Fantasy Tactics just because of all this ridiculousness with re-releasing. Tactics Ogre, with what they've changed, because, I mean, I read about how it was before um, – it's really, really good. Like, and at very least, the story is the mature sort of political intrigue kind of thing that people who played tact- Final Fantasy Tactics have been, you know, saying they wanted in future sequels. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is a game that is Final Fantasy Tactics without the Final Fantasy name. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of the game is almost identical too. I mean, not to spoil anything, but. Some of the even certain little like plot threads, I'm like, this is exactly the same as it was in Tactics. I go, this person's going to betray me. I I really need to play. I'm so I I hate this fact that I can't play PSP games on my PS3. I think Sony really missed a market there. Rob, you just spent like two thousand dollars on a computer. PSPs just got a price drop. Yeah, but I'm not gonna pick it up just for one game. Then play all the other really good re-released RPGs on the PSP. Yeah, I I know. I really should. I really should. But I just – I have a hard time with buying something just for one game. 
I, I then, really, really do. But then I, don't buy it for Metal Gear Acid 2, which is fantastic. Oh. Those games are sweet. Okay. Uh, no, I, I really, really want to play this game, but I I just think Sony is missing a huge market here by – how hard would it be to have a PSP emulator on the PS3? Okay. It couldn't be that bad. The thing is, though – No, 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 no. The, the emulating is much more difficult than you think it is. Really? Like, yes. Um, it, it becomes easier the less and less powerful the machine that you're trying to emulate is. But even with the PS3 emulating PS1 games, which the PS1 has like a 20 megahertz processor, it's something that's like obscenely small. Yeah, I guess. I, and, I, and, I, and no, no, no. And you have the, the PS1 emulator for the PS3. The Sony had on their blog a nice article about this where they just get obscenely weird bugs like upside down text or any number of things trying to emulate PS1 games. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is more difficult unless you were to create – uh, like something that works with the exact same processor. Like from what I understand, the, the PS2. The, like the, the, the PS2 had the exact same chipset as the PS1. That's why backward yeah. compatibility was way. Well, they they included the, the entire PS1 chipset, just like in many PS3s, they include the um, the the Emotion Engine in it. The the old PS1 or the old PS3s. Um, if they were to make a handheld that uses like a, a version of the cell processor, which from what I understand, the NGP is using somewhat similar architecture, that mm-hmm. might be something that we would see. Yeah, I just – I really want to play this game, and I don't have access to it because I don't have a PSP. And I, I know it's stupid for me to complain about that, but I'm just like, ah, why not just have one device where it's all there? And that's – it seems like Sony's going for that with the NGP, so maybe I will have a chance to do that like you were saying. So The thing is with piracy, PSP is already pretty rough, and to say, okay, everyone that owns a PS3 can now play PSP games, who's going to buy a PSP? Right. No, that's a good point. That's a good point, and they, they still want to make sure that they keep that market. So I, I understand it. It just breaks my heart that Tactics Ogre – I have wanted to play this game for – God, it must be going on 15 years now. I've wanted to play this game, and I, I and can't. Rob, it's worth it. I know. Yes. I know. I know. All right. So, what else do we have to talk about? Are, are we going to uh, talk about Radiant? I, I, I wasn't done with Tactics Ogre. Okay. No, it, okay. No, ta- sure. We'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll make Tactics Ogre very short. Tactics Ogre is just like Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Does it same have art TG style, S- same writing, same music. Does it have TG Sid? No. Ooh. But no. I don't know. It, but it does have branching story that it's obvious when it's a branching story. And yeah, instead, ran- instead of, do you want to go to the mall? <laughs> and it does have a character who, for all intents and purposes, should be named Algus. <laughs> or what, what are they called now? Argath. Argath. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> and then I tried to play it again, and I realized how horrible the translation was. Well, <laughs> I, I was like, it was spelled evilly three different ways. Rob, <laughs> I know that you don't have a PSP, so you haven't played War of the Lions, but they are making a iOS port of War of the Lions. I really don't want to play that on my iPhone. <laughs> they really need to fix the, the, the ability lag, though, because that, that would have been the per- a perfect version of that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if if they release a PSN version, maybe. Uh, so now, do we want to have the great Radiant Historia, or do you just want to tease everybody with how awesome Dragon Age Two is? Stop uh, trying to make us not talk about Radiant Historia, Rob. I don't want uh, to talk. Here, I'll do a brief over on Dragon Age. So we actually we got an early retail copy of Dragon Age on Friday, and I am making a marathon session this weekend. Um, He's true. 
yeah, we're recording this on Saturday night. I'm about for the team. ten hours into the game. Probably gonna play another ten tomorrow. I'd say I'm about halfway through the game. Um, that I, scares the crap out uh, of me. <laughs> again, I will tell you the same thing I told Rob before this podcast. I play games incredibly quickly. I don't listen to the voice acting. I put on subtitles. Once I finish reading a subtitle, I skip to the next thing. And I don't like side questing, though I've done most of the side quests in this game. Um, I think that for the average player, the, it's going to be about 30 to 35 hours. Right. Um, again, I don't know if there's going to be some third epoch or third because it it splits it up into there was a definitive part one and now i'm in a definitive part two and we'll see if there's a part three part four part five i don't know i'm not there yet and i'm hoping that that i can get through all of this for a review as quickly as possible cool well i really Uh, look forward to reading it yeah it uh it feels more action oriented than the first one here here i lay it straight out here i only played (laughs) What? You really tried to avoid everybody taking another shot. <laughs> Here's the thing. I hate you guys. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. How do you like that, Rob? Yeah, if Rob doesn't get to hear anything about Dragon Age, that's not fair to our readers. Rob already heard about Dragon Age before the podcast. Yeah, and I can wait 48 hours. It's already preloaded on my computer. I played the original Dragon Age on the PC, and I only played about six or seven hours of it. Um, so I'm not going into this with a mindset that a lot of people are, are. Is Dragon Age 2 like Dragon Age 1? Can I play this with the tactical view? Whatever. I'm looking at Dragon Age 2 as kind of a standalone game, and that's how I'm going to review it. I'm not going to review it as how does this build on the Dragon Age world. I'm going to build – I'm going to review this on is this a fun game. It's fun. Yes, does it have flaws? Yes, I'm a little upset that pretty much the entire game takes place inside the city, and it's really? you you do go outside for some quests, and every time you go into like a, a dungeon, it has like almost the same layout, which sucks. That's a little disappointing. That's like, sort of. I, I guess that must be from the fact that they basically made it at light speed. Yeah, and I think that they were also saying that they wanted this to be more about the city of Kirkwall, which reads exactly like the other game that I've been playing a lot of, which is The Witcher, how Witcher takes place almost entirely in Vizima, and it's all about that area. So I'm interested to see how they pull it off, but it definitely is a huge change. But then again, Dragon Age 1, it, it wasn't like Fallout. It wasn't like where you had this big sprawling world and you went everywhere. You had places yeah, was, on a map it was like that you Baldur's clicked. On. Yeah, it had places on a map that you clicked on. So, which uh, the the movement between your areas is pretty much when you leave an area, it brings up what is essentially a menu. Yep. And you choose where you want to go. Um, I don't know if that was in the demo or not, but. Um, uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah. No. When you leave an area. It brings up like this map of Kirkwall, and it's like, okay, where do you want to go? Or you hit the – I'm playing it on Xbox, right trigger, left trigger. You move from Kirkwall to Kirkwall at night to uh, outside the city. Which I outside the Kirkwall city. at night. <laughs> no, you get, you get an achievement when you change the city to nighttime, which is weird. Uh, it's it, – it some quests are like – this guy is going to be outside the docks at midnight, and you swap over to night and you go walk over there. Um, really doesn't change much, except you get ambushed a lot if you go into, like, the, the slums. At night. 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm digging it though. It it certainly got its flaws, but I like the fact that it does it it keeps the deep RPG systems. If you want to play this like Mass Effect, you can. If you you want to ignore all of the RPG elements, you can. You can be a warrior and just equip what weapon looks good and just auto level yes. your character. All right, all right, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. We're going to have a big Dragon Age episode uh, down the line, so it's probably going to be me, Kyle, John, and then maybe Steven. You know, I don't know. It depends on how much he pisses me off between now and then. Sorry, right. I'm going to be on there whether you want me to so or not. So now, now is this a segment where he's going to piss you off? Uh, <laughs> who, Actually, me? Can, or? I ask, can I ask one question about Dragon Age? Yeah. Um, have you, have you, you've done Mass, played Mass Effect 2, right? Yeah. I, how does it compare, like... Because everyone keeps complaining, oh, they're Mass Effect 2-ing it, you know, they're dumbing it down or whatever. How does it compare to Mass Effect 2 in terms of, like, the overall experience? It, here's the thing. The overall experience is pretty similar. You're playing a game that it, it's set up kind of the same segmented way, where you go out on a mission. And the, the one thing is, though, the, the quest in Mass Effect, if you're out on a quest, you go through and you're on that quest, you finish it, then you go on to the next one. In Dragon Age 2, it's set up more like World of Warcraft, where you just queue up a bunch of quests, and they're segmented. So if you know if you have three quests in this area of the city, you go, you finish them all, they'll send you onto the next part of the chain, and you can go from there. Um, I, I'd say the quest system is honestly, more than anything, really similar to World of Warcraft's. And that's similar to Dragon Age Origins, at least what I played. I mean, I felt it was very similar how the quests were very self-contained. You could avoid them, and that, that's very similar to The Witcher. So I I don't hear – I'm not saying that you're saying that as a complaint. I, I don't hear that as a complaint. I hear that the, as yeah, – okay. No, it, 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 it's, it's positive for gameplay. The only negative I see to it is that oftentimes – I, you know, I, I'm only 10 hours in, but I picked up a quest at like the four hour mark and didn't finish it until I, I got just to the end of uh, this this last segment, the end of area one or whatever you want to call it. And I like forgot what was going on. Oh, yeah, that that happens. OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what now? Now. Now, I'm going to do the seg because I'm the host now. Why are you the host? Because you don't want to talk about this game. I do want to talk about it. Like, I don't like it because I hate traditional JRPGs. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have any – I'm not in touch with my inner child anymore. Herp. Uh, all right. Here's the – okay. So we're talking about Radiant Historia right now, which is a game that we all kind of – It's awesome. Wait, 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 wait. Totally rad. <laughs> We all kind of agreed in the pre-show warm-up that Radiant Historia is a game that was maybe a little overhyped. <laughs> maybe a little overhyped. There were a lot of blinders going on into this when game. When did I agree to that? You, I, didn't, I did not agree to that. I hate both of you. Uh, I, I agreed that people were expecting perfection, and it's not perfect, but it's really, really good. It's really, really good if you like boring battle systems. Yes. Oh. Chrono, Chrono Trigger is... Do you like Chrono Trigger? I love Chrono Trigger. Okay, well, it's the same deal. I very much disagree because the, the battles system. the battles in Chrono Trigger are very simple, but they're also very fast. Okay, so hold on a sec. We haven't even talked about what the game is. Shut up. <laughs> they know what uh, the game is. No, 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 no. Radiant Historia is from the guys who made Persona. It is a time-traveling adventure romp 
through a world that basically looks like it was directly ripped out of Final Fantasy VI. Let's be very honest. What? What? It's very similar to Final Fantasy VI. Do you guys not feel that? There's freaking Magitek armor. Right. Steampunk, like a- Steampunk is not like – it, it, I, I, Kefka doesn't have Monopoly on Steampunk. It wow. looks very similar. Okay, yeah, it's a combination I, I, of the Super I, Nintendo graphics, but it looks like Final Fantasy VI. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I was no, I, I, I can see that there are some elements that are similar to Final Fantasy VI, but I don't feel like this is speci- like I feel like it's an amalgam of a bunch of different uh, JRPG standbys. Yes. But I, I don't feel like it's any one JRPG. Okay, I was by. using it as a point of reference. I wasn't using that to deride the game. Now, uh, so you're playing as a character called Stock. Uh, Stock is a special agent, and he's working for his government, for his military, and he's given the White Chronicle, which is a book that, of course, has nothing written in it. Uh, and as you proceed through the story, you make decisions. These decisions affect the way that your characters, your companions, you go about. It splits the timeline in two, and you jump back and forth between the timelines, uh, between different nodes on this you know, big, elaborate screen, these different decisions that you can make. Um, so it's taking the time manipulation mechanic of Chrono Trigger doing something new with it. The battle system is this turn-based system where there's a 3x3 grid for the enemies. Uh, the enemies are all placed on there. And then in order to defeat the enemies quickly and efficiently, you move the enemies around the battlefield. You make sure that they all end up on top of each other so that, that way when you attack them, you're attacking both enemies at the same time, three enemies at the same time, yada, yada, yada. I want to love this game you have no idea how much i want to love this game i i love the time manipulation stuff i find the characters to be i i really like stock maybe the other characters aren't winning me over as much but i really like stock i like the fact that he's wait i I have a question for you do you want to love this game because you can put monsters on top of each other like i yes you've you figured me that's what she said You figured me out. You you got me, John. Rob, here's why you should love this game. Because one of the decisions you can make is to murder people indiscriminately or to dance. <laughs> okay, but this that's list... one of the nodes. The node yes, is do that's... I dance or do I slaughter? <laughs> but now wait, if you choose to slaughter, the game does this really. I do not like this thing that the game does. If you make certain decisions, the game gives you a text bubble that says, and so the party went off making this decision, but something bad happened, and they died. And then the game's like... They died. It says the world ended. Yes, the world ends, and then it sends you back. Luckily, you didn't have to save beforehand. Yeah, what what would you rather it do? It'd be like, oh, derp, you screwed up. Bye. No, no, true. It feels really cheap. See, Rob, I see where you're coming from here. What I think what a lot of us were expecting, because even I was kind of, was an ending along the lines of a Chrono Trigger ending every time you screwed yeah, up. Something and if bizarre. There were only, <laughs> if there were 12 decisions in the game and each of them could have an epilogue, then I would be like, all right, these need to have right. – There's know, like 12 rapid. decisions in the first chapter. Yes, yeah, I, so I know. They can't – it's it's – technically unfeasible. No, no, and I, and I agree with that. So the time manipulation stuff, I, I like it, but it does – feel kind of arbitrary it does the whole like well you can't advance this timeline until you do something in the other timeline Rob, let, let's let's have this physics argument because i don't get it oh, like it, no, no 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 you don't want to have a physics argument with me yes i do because right, i want to know if this is like uh where where uh, 
This is many worlds theory interpretation of Schrodinger's cat. Okay. Schrodinger. Yes. This is the many worlds theory where you become entangled in the wave function by observing the phenomenon and you continue to move throughout time. It's like if I went outside and I got hit by a bus, there's another existence where I didn't get hit by a bus. And See, but, but, Chrono Cross is here, awesome. here, Yes, here's, it's Chrono Cross logic. No, but here's the question I get about, about quantum entanglement is that quantum entanglement says, okay, you know, there, there are many worlds where things diverge at, you know, at every point this atom can go there. But the, it doesn't seem like it's divergent. It seems like it combines worlds when you take action in one or the other, and that's the part of the logic I don't understand. That's actually confusing the crap out of me too. I'm like, why is this guy there now? Because I helped him in the completely opposite. Yeah, time that period. that really drives me nuts. And I don't think the game does a very. What, what we're talking about right now is that there's this really weird thing where you'll help out somebody in timeline A, and then all of a sudden they're now present in timeline B. Like, the only way the, I the can game... find it explained is that there's also in the story there's another character who remains secluded in the shadows, and he has a book just like yours, only it's the Black Chronicle. So of course he's bad. And he is going about trying to undo and trying to stop you from fixing the timeline. Yeah. And I think – and I'm, I'm not quite sure. My brother beat the game and he said it to me like this, is that the things you do that affect the other timeline aren't affecting it because of that. It's because you're stopping the guy from meddling with the other guy from causing that problem in the first place. OK. OK. So right. that that's one issue I have with the game. So – it, these stops seem very arbitrary, but I could get into them if one of two things happened. One, the battle system completely wins me over, which at first I loved it. I found it to be very tactical and very fun, and then the game decided that it was going to throw exorbitant numbers of enemies at me or enemies with lots and lots of hit points, a la Final Fantasy thirteen, and now I am completely bored by it. I'm doing the same thing over and over again in these combat scenarios combat is taking way too long the enemies have no chance of killing me it's just boring then you combine it with this is the number one problem i have with this game and i know john disagrees with me and i wish derek was here with me the lack of a mini map in this game makes it so obnoxious to move around the areas now granted nothing is on the scale of like dragon quest 9 in complexity but it's still obnoxious but, to get around see and and i disagree i think that the areas are so small where the biggest map you're looking at is like four or five screens big there are some that are slightly bigger like i think there's one that's seven because the areas are so tiny it's not a big deal, and I was talking about this with Rob before the podcast. Um, it's pretty obvious based on the environment tiling where you're supposed to go. Pull the camera back. That's all they had to do to fix the, the lack of a minimap. The camera is so zoomed in you can't even see a full room. I'm, I I'm hate the, that. I'm in the middle here. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> I think that an auto map would be nice because at this point I'm spoiled, and I think – I play a lot of games where I just stare at the auto map. I don't even look at the environment anymore. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Mass effect. I, I agree with John. Yeah, I agree with John. The areas are so small, you don't really need one, and you can kind of tell where you're supposed to go. Yeah, but and like it's not like and the thing is, you go through the same areas several times, so you know where everything is. Okay, but but it, it, let's combine the two problems. So at one point, I needed to learn the sword dance because I was going to dance rather than slaughter my way through a checkpoint. And in order to learn the sword dance, I had to learn it from a specific character. I knew exactly which character I had 
to learn it from. The game just spells it right out for you. And so I went up and talked to that character. Oh, I'm not supposed to learn it right now. Okay, keep going in the timeline. Okay, I talked to that character again. Oh, no, I still didn't learn it. Okay, I'm going to talk to this character now. Well, you realize that they were in the middle of a mission where they were mobilized and they were moving. Like they didn't have time to sit down and practice. That's that's really the excuse we're going to go with. Uh, well, that, that makes logical sense, Rob. No, were, it doesn't were, because later because later you're told to come in for your mission briefing, and that's when you talk to the guy and learn the sword dance. No, you're not told to go in for your briefing. They say you have some time to just chill. Go chill. Oh, my God. While impending forces are coming. I, but this is an example. I had to find this character. I didn't have a mini-map to find him. That area is really hard to find him if you don't know where you're looking for. Like, it, just... Pull the camera back or give me a freaking mini-map. How hard would that have been? Rob, do you like the glowing line from Fable? I bet you do. Oh, for God's Dude. sake. I bet you when you played D- Dead Space, you were like, Isaac, show me the blue line. Show me the blue line. No, actually, I thought that Dead Space did a really good job telling me exactly where to go because it only had one freaking corridor at all times. <laughs> it's kind of easy. No, it, again, it's it's a little thing that's slightly obnoxious. The bigger issue with the game is that I am just bored to tears by the battle system. I, I will just agree bored that to in, tears. in some areas it's like, okay, we're going to throw four tigers at you. And, and the the, bad, the random battle takes like three minutes. And I, I will agree with you there. I don't think it's ba- as bad as you say, though. It's not a bad battle system. It's just – it's not doling out the new stuff. I talked to another guy about this. I talked to Dennis about it, and he said that there's actually a lot of uh, – wow, speak of the devil. <laughs> he actually said that there's a lot of um, – area effects that you can get later on in the game, but the game is not doling those out to me quick enough. See, I, I gotta disagree. Well, you get a lot of skills really fast. Yeah, like, one I'm thing like, you do, I had but, seven hours in the game, and I have like 12 skills. I, I agree, have, but nothing that... Uh, but it's still mostly you know, the but, push and pull stuff. But have you... Uh, the the girl character, I forget, Rainy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Use her poison skill. Like it when kills you group, everything. When you group yeah. all the enemies together... Make sure that you get a poison in because they'll all take like 50 damage a turn. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. It's just that I feel like I'm doing – this is the exact same problem I had with Final Fantasy thirteen, where it just feels like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And what this brought to attention – and it's more of a problem that I'm having. Okay, I'm really glad that you guys are liking the game. Again, I want to like the game. But here's the problem that I have. After playing Persona and playing the chocolate and peanut butter of gaming, which was you know this – really hardcore Japanese role-playing dungeon crawler mixed with a dating sim, it really gave me different things to do. Okay, well, I'm going to do the dating stuff for a while. Oh, I feel like going into a dungeon for a while. I'm going to do this. So there was stuff to keep me entertained. Radiant Historia and Final Fantasy XIII, on the other hand, live and die by their battle system. And if the battle system doesn't win me over or if it doesn't hold my attention, then I just – I don't care. And I, I've, I've lost complete interest in the game. See, on the other hand, though, saying they live and die with their battle system, the point of those games, <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure the developers would argue this, is the story. And if you're not engaged in the story, then it's like I played Xenogears. I hated the battle system in Xenogears, but the story was really good, so I finished it. Right, and, and the story of Radiant, His- Radiant Historia has a story that I'm interested in, but it is a lot of 
the standard, oh, we have to go fix the left flank and, oh, we have to go do the and, – and granted, that's at the beginning of the game and you guys have already told me that it, that changes. But just the story is really taking a long time to pick up and I really just feel like I'm doing mundane tasks rather than in Chrono Trigger, you see the end of the freaking world within the first two hours of the game. Well, technically, as you can see it at any point in reading Historia. Yeah, that world ends at the very beginning of the game. Yes, I, like, I'm, I'm like well the, aware. The, the, the game the starts and it's world. like, oh, the world ended. Yeah, What are exactly. we going to do now? But you're told that the world ended and you don't see the world ending. Well, you watch a video in Chrono Trigger. Well, but this would be like if in Chrono Trigger 2 people were standing on the sideline going, wow, that giant Lavos thing just wiped out the whole world. That's no, 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 okay. no, no. pretty much what they did. <laughs> you're sitting there and it's like. Oh, man, that looks bad. Yeah, we should stop that. Okay. But they, and I'm not saying that's bad because I love that game, but... They did stop it. They're going to stop it in this, too. Like, how are you going to show the world turning to sand? Like, it's a <laughs> DS game. Like, it's it's not like it's Lavos where things blow up. It's like, oh, the world <laughs> is sand now. We failed. Oops. Okay. Oh, no, the game turned into right, everything. We're, into all, we're already getting a little long. Uh, so, Radiant Historia, I, I really do want to like it. Maybe I'll pick it up again, but it just – I gave it a fair shot. I played for like eight hours, and I just – I was really into it at first, and then I just started to get more bored. I started to find it to be really tedious. I think it's great that you guys like it, and I, as I said to John in the pre-show warm-up, I objectively think this is a good game. Objectively, I think it is a good game, but I am not enjoying it. You know, and sometimes that just happens. Where it, you like, you watch a movie that you objectively say that is a good, well-made movie, but I don't like it. You know, it you you say that it's a good, it's a well-made game, it's a competent game, but it just it's not holding me. Let no, me just I, say this: a lot of those you know classic games that we all love so much have those periods though where you go through and you're like, oh, these battles are taking forever and you know it's tedious. Yeah. Like every I mean, so many like really awesome games have a part like that or several parts like that. And reading Astoria, I thought the battles were pretty quick. I'm in an area now where I'm fighting those tigers and they take forever. Yeah, you and I are in like the exact same area right now. But I think, you know, it, it, it does change, you know? Yeah, but it's it's just it feels like it hasn't expanded. And I know that it will, but it just it it feels like it doesn't trust me enough. You know, it, it's the JRPG thing right now where it's just, you know, you have the Western RPG approach where they probably give you too much right away to figure out. And then you have the JRPG approach where it's just like, we're going to dole this out over the course of 20 hours and just assume that you're a moron. Dragon Age 2 never explains to you, or at least it hasn't to me at this point, what the hell a cross-class combo is. Now, I figured it out, but it's not like, here's how you do it. It's just like... Oh, yeah. It tells you in, like, the tooltips. They're like, oh, yeah. You know, do a cross-class combo. It does more damage. That's real handy there, son. Yeah, you should have known that. All right, so do we have a short news section prepared? John, can you handle this? Uh, yeah, I will briefly skim our news. Uh, <laughs> and pick, and pick the stories. Of which there is much. Uh, Pokemans is out by the time that you uh, you read this or Let hear this. Yes, Pokemon's black and Pokemon's white. Um, I understand that there are many of them for you to capture. And we would like to show you them. Yes. I'm really going to miss Zach when he's in Japan. This is going to be awesome. Um, it, there, there's a Exceed has a promo where uh, if you pre-order the limited edition of the new Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky before March 10th, um, 
which I don't know if that's – oh, yeah, no, that'll be when this podcast goes up. Um, you send your pre-order receipt or confirmation to support at exceedgames.com, and you can get one of the soundtrack CDs from a recent game or an art book. Um, the can I just is point a- out that I love everyone who works at Exceed, and they are yeah. beautiful people? Exceed is fantastic. I'm trying to get uh, Tom, who we've interviewed uh, about the most recent Ease games a couple of times, to get on here. I have, I can't just ask him. I have to jump PR hoops, but... Uh, I would like to have him on here. He's a great guy. I'm at him at E3. Um, cool. So more news. Um, new new pictures of Demon, of Dark Souls. Sorry. Yes. Dark Dark Souls. Souls. N- new Dark Souls. Souls. <laughs> See, here's the thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to start explaining something. Rob, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Uh, um, Parasite Eve got rated by the ESRB for PSN release. I'm guessing it's M? That's a good question. I actually didn't look at it. Um, <laughs> this is the original Parasite Eve. Or, yes, uh... Parasite Eve 1. Oh, cool. Um, so that's going to be exciting. We'll see if it holds up. Um... Witcher 2 still looks awesome. <laughs> Witcher 2, I'm... Uh... Oh, I have to check with CD Projekt see if they're going to be at PAX East. I think they are. So can, can we can we say that we're going to try to get somebody from Witcher 2 on the show? Um, I, think we, I think we can say that. We can say that we're going to try. I can't yeah. say that we're going to be successful. Yeah, we're certainly going to try uh, to get somebody on for Witcher 2. That's probably – I think after, after playing the Dragon Age demo for a long time, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to love it. But the Witcher 2 has become the game, the RPG that I'm most excited about this year okay. just because – if they fix the problems in the original Witcher, like having to read a freaking book to know where the skull is on an enemy to take its head off. It is like the quintessential Western RPG. That hates you. <laughs> it's just well, so I mean, obtuse like, at times. The second one has the, po- po- the potential to be just awesome. Yeah. So I, I hope so. I, I just got a very interesting email, Rob. And uh, this, yeah, apparently, uh, or at least I'm being pitched. Uh, Dead Island is apparently an RPG. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, because I read it's, that. Uh, like, they're like, yeah, it's an RPG. I'm like, what? Zombies? Oh yeah, because it's got like a level up system in it and everything. So we'll we'll see if it's if it's actually an RPG or if it has RPG elements. But uh, we're going to be sending someone at PAX East to take a look at that. All right, cool. Zombies. Awesome. Zombies. Zombies. Um. I think I read something that was news, and then I like put it in the back pocket and they forgot. They did announce. Um, on the Deus Ex Human Revolution, one of the developers' Twitters, he said um, that I believe this week they're going to be announcing the release date of Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah. All right. I'm saying fall. We're 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 trying to get uh, we're trying to get Eric in to their studios to take a look at the game since he lives oh, in Montreal. Awesome. Send the uh, the chief editor up there to do it. The editor in chief. He speaks uh, French. So do the developers. We're all good. Go. There you go. He's never cursed me out in French though. I don't know. I don't know how to take that. Uh, Final Fantasy VI to see a virtual console release in Japan. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we'll see if it comes to the U.S. And, uh, oh, I, of course it will. I, I, I don't know. The virtual console releases in the U.S. have not been doing particularly well. Uh, well, but it's not like it takes them all that much oh, effort. To, like, it's already um, been translated. Carpe. Yeah, it's like... I, I have real news. Carpe Fulger, the guys who published uh, Reseteer in the U.S. are aiming for a April release date for Chantelise, which is their next game from the cool. same developer. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, I'm so in support of people who do things like this. <laughs> I like nice things. Well, just we we have the opening video and some gameplay for Gungnir, which is Sting's next game. Cool, cool. I think that's it. I don't think we have anything else in terms of news. Yeah, because I don't write the news stories anymore, I'm not on top of it. Yep. Zach, where are you? We miss you. Did we say we, last week that Skyrim looks awesome? Because it does. It still looks awesome. <laughs> it still looks really, really awesome. People are going to listen to this and be like, oh, look at the lost puppies. They don't know what to do with the news. <laughs> we don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I like my video games. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. <laughs> Rob, I'm going to punch you. Look, all right, Rob, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I feel you, man. We have way too much fun on this show. I'm going to fire you both. I don't think you can. Oh, watch me. I'm not going to tempt him with that. Uh, that's true. That's true. Well, we had a great podcast, but due to creative disagreements, I no longer have to. John, John said – This is now the John McCarroll hour. John, John said, screw you guys. I'm taking the podcast home. I'm going home. John McCarroll's like, my latest title, podcast head. <laughs> no kitty. Stop eating my PlayStation controller. Hang on. <laughs> All right, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good stopping point. Yeah. Um, thank you everybody for listening to the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Through God, the RSS. I'm not sure if they'll want to after the last 15 minutes. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, subscribe through the RSS feed. Keep dropping us lines. Uh, wow, that came out worse than I expected. Uh, keep <laughs> keep telling us what you guys want us to talk about. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being so supportive. Uh, thanks again. And we will talk to you guys in about two weeks with our Dragon Age episode. Big Dragon Age episode. Big, Yay. big nasty Dragon Age episode. All right. Talk to you guys later.